Hi, I'm Marty Grizzani, and this is The Marty Grizzani Show. As a full-time real estate investor and business owner, I have a real fascination of finding the key principles for business success and personal development. This show is a reflection of my personal mission to find out what truly makes somebody successful in business and in life. We will find tools and tactics that they've used to reach those levels. If you're the type of person is not satisfied with average and you have a hunger for learning that will never cease, this show is for you. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Guys, I am super excited about what we're talking about today because this uh, this hits home very much so for me. This is my bread and butter, uh, which we're going to get into what we're going to talk about in just a moment. But I, I just have to ask, Jeremiah, how are you today, buddy? <laughs> Good, buddy. Beautiful California. Just Let's chilling go. in uh, L.A., you know, for the summer. So back and forth to Vegas and, and back to the East Coast. So I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I love it. You look, you're glowing. It looks like it's fucking treating you great. I, uh, I, I will say this. I golf today. I feel like I had a bunch of uh, losses in a row because golf is just, it, it's just, Ugh. it's so brutal, but it's just something it's that it's so hard. And we're wrestlers, Jeremiah, you know, we're wrestlers. This didn't golf. Doesn't, I feel like come natural to, to wrestlers <laughs> for some reason, uh, you know? So, but yeah, I just, my thought was, you know, you do something tough and uncomfortable and at the same time you know there's some benefits of health and being outside and, and at the same time you know i think it, it's a good place to connect with uh with fellow business people and such like that but but anyway guys this is going to be a really great show because we're talking about i think in my opinion the most important part of any business any self-storage business any commercial any real estate business and that's acquisitions um you, you know jeremiah Let's just dive right into it. Let's go right into acquisitions and what that means, um, how, how someone can get started, and just your philosophy on that, that you know, on acquisitions in general. Yeah, man, we could. I love it, love it, love the topic. This is bread and butter. Uh, to your point, you know, just like where we're at right now in terms of like what I'm focusing on, and in, in the sense of you being out there, you know, challenging yourself, doing something that. You know, you're not good at, you know, I've been, I've been obsessed with David Goggins, book, you know, can't hurt me, you know, the audible version. I know you told me you listened to it. It's fucking phenomenal. Right. It's like, I suggest everyone listen to it. Uh, but what it got me to think about was, you know, doing something uncomfortable every day, man, doing, starting from zero, never resting on my laurels, on my past accomplishments, you know, I just, this guy is light years beyond anything I probably ever will be, but he gives me this feeling like, man, you, just because you've made it this far, there's so much farther to go. And that, that translates across the, the best to the best, you know, Tiger Woods, LeBron James, everybody like this obsessive idea that, you know, you got to keep improving that there's just this, this burning desire, man. And then this mastering the craft, you know, mastering your own craft, I've been obsessed also with Mike Tyson lately because uh, I've been watching all his old training videos and documentaries and just the guy being five, six, five, seven and going in there and dominating the heavyweight division at 18, 19, 20 years old. And for me, what I'm doing right now, I'm pushing myself. I'm going back to MMA training and get my ass kicked, you know, real sparring, you know, real moving around, working the bag, working with guys. 
And I am, uh, I am like with seven, you know, messing around with 17, 18 year olds get knocking me, knocking me around. So, so for me, it's like, uh, it's, it's definitely uh, a fucking mind shift because yeah. you know, when you're in that sixth, seventh round and I am like, I do not want to be here right now. And I got nothing left in the tank. You know, it's not like I got the gas I did when I was 19, yes. 20 years old. Uh, I wish I had the skills I had now, but, uh, the, where, where I le- really led with that was, it's like, I'm just taking, I just want to be uncomfortable, man. Every day I want to be uncomfortable. I want to do something that challenges me, you know, the, and, and, and just, you know, Tyson got me as a shorter guy, as a fighter, you know, I, I'm learning how to, how to, you know, box as a, you know, and just these strategies and techniques being a, the peekaboo style, being a smaller guy, but it, it's just, it helps me really get away from it all where I can, you know, and I don't know if I'm going to be fighting as something like a recreational sport, but it's something that takes me, it allows me to just completely let go of the stress. You know, there's mm. a million things out there. And when I, when I am in that, that moment with the other guy, you know, you know, knocking me around or, and me delivering it back, I, uh, I am really present, man. And it mm. just takes away all my problems. So I don't, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Like, it's something that it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty fun, but it's, it's, it's also a really, it's like a, it's in a, a place where it's getting over this fear. And that book really helped me that by saying, you know what, it's, it doesn't matter what your mind's saying. You just go forward anyway. You do it. Absolutely. And it's it's such a good point. You know, it's such a, you know, getting in there, you know, it's, it's such a visceral thing, right? And it's such a, it's such a human thing to like get in there and it, like one-on-one with somebody and it's a test of will. It's a test oh. of power between the other guy. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's unlike anything else. And, and to your point on David Goggins in that book, it is an absolute must read. And it, what it taught me was uh, just number one, n- I have no excuse for anything that I, you know, am looking to accomplish. You know, you, you hear about these people's upbringings, like David Goggins and what he went through, and the, the 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 so many times that he failed but came back. You know, in order to I don't want to ruin it for you guys, but basically he had a, you know, a tumultuous relationship with his family, and then from there he goes and has to lose all this weight in order to make the Navy SEALs, which he doesn't. He has to go back and do it a couple different times. <laughs> Hell week, all these things that if you're not familiar with, it's absolutely brutal, but it's a must listen to. It's a beautiful listen to on a run, which was my favorite way of enjoying it and devouring it. Um, But yes, no, absolutely. It's uh, I'm so glad you're putting yourself out there and continue to do so. Right. Because you could probably just sit back and relax, Jeremiah. But that obviously isn't the kind of guy you are. Yeah, man. No excuses. You know, it's just as long as people don't take it, you know, he's, he's got a somewhat of an aggressive style a little bit just because he really wants to get the message across. But I love the message that you just you deal with your circumstances and your mind can go so much farther than you think. Mm. That 40 percent role he talks about where you think that you gassed out where you completely dead and you're only at 40 percent. You know, this guy pushed it, you know, where he's running 200 mile races, ultra marathons. So for me, I think of that and I'm like, oh, man, you know, I can hang on the pull-up bar a little bit longer, you know, and a <laughs> yes. minute longer. I could do another 20 push-ups. So it's just silly little things. But I think those we don't know, right? We don't know until we try, until we test our mind and push it through this discomfort. Mm. And I do it every day. I think that that's a huge thing we all got to remember. Mm, yeah. And I think uh, 
like you were saying, it's it's um, when you're you know holding on for that extra you know pull up or you know you're going in to do that one more on anything. You know, if we keep that thought right, that mindset of just that one more, uh, you know, and, and at the same time, you know, going in and digging deep, like he was talking about in the book, the you know hand, you know the cookie jar, right? Keep reaching into that cookie yeah. jar and then yeah. taking souls, right? I, again, this is a <laughs> I'm amped up. I'm getting amped up. I don't know if I can even go on because I'm just uh, I, I think I should. Just keep talking, David Goggins. But uh, no, I, I really, you know, let's take it back to finding our edge, right? I mean, part of yeah. finding our edge in in for you, what you found, how you really found your edge was acquisitions and and getting after it. It, it like, talk to me about that. Yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, what I think number one, beginning real estate investors got to do two things. You number, you got to figure out what's your niche. So you got to master an asset class. You got to figure it out. Figure which one do you want to get? You know, pick the core four or one of the alternative asset classes, right? Retail, industrial, office, multifamily, or self-storage for mobile home parks or, or car washes or whatever. But the, the core four plus any alternatives, figure out which one you want to really master. And then secondly, I think you got to pick a region. You got to, you got to, I mean, I, I think being spread out around the whole country is, is really tough. You're going to have to pick an area that you're going to master and go after. And at that stage, you know, get educated, understand what you're talking about, know why you want to be in the asset classes. For me, it was because there was inefficient markets out there where mom and pops had them and they weren't running them to the capacity. They were very popular. They were becoming popular with more investors. So I realized it was hidden value there where if I'm willing to go hit the pavement. I can find some assets that actually are able to scale where they, they have multiple tenants and I can get, I can grow and improve the value and I can find someone that owns them that I can relate with and work with and, and try to buy from. So that's number one, man. So I think if you got to, it's to a degree, burn the boats where you got to say, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm committed. If I'm a, if I'm a, a general partner or I'm a sponsor, you got to be committed to this craft because it's going to take you a couple of years to truly get there and be able to get your first really good deal. If you get it quicker, great, you know, so be patient. So th th that's the first step, you know, Marty. And then second, you know, I think what you got to do, it's, it's a simple formula, man. You got to go talk to a lot of people. I mean, it's mm. not a magic pill. Mm. It really isn't. Once you know your asset class in the region, number one, you build a list. And number two, you talk to brokers. And you gotta you gotta believe in whatever you're doing and have a clear, concise pitch or message that you're sending across to these people that adds value to them. Mm. You know, and you can't just be another guy out there. And you gotta know what is different for me than everyone else. And what was different for me is I was willing to buy pretty rough assets in in areas of the country that weren't top tier markets. I was going digging out in the boonies, going finding these suburban or quite tertiary markets, rural areas, and I was finding assets that were typically smaller than what institutions wanted. They weren't uh, they weren't pretty. They didn't have the income. When I mean smaller, they were only bringing in ten or fifteen thousand dollars a month. I mean they were under a couple million dollars, and uh, it, those are the ones that I could improve and expand on. Yes. but I had to I had to find that niche where, okay, these, there's a little bit less competition. And then when I talk to a broker, or I talk to an owner, I would, you know, I just I'd be very clear. Hey, Hey, this is Jeremiah. I own storage or my partners and I own storage. We're really looking to buy another facility. Would you ever be interested in selling? I mean, mm. very simple who I am, 
and you can name your company. I'm Jeremiah with All Purpose Storage. If I'm calling storages, my storage brand. Yeah, I own storage now, so it qualifies you as somebody that knows what they're doing. You don't got to say more than that. Yeah, I'm interested in buying more. We are interested in buying more. If you don't own anything, then you ha- you know you have a partner. You can find a partner out there. I I would partner with you if it's a great deal. So you know you so you have credibility. You know you're giving a clear picture of what you're looking for, and then a direct question: Would you ever consider selling it? And and then that's where you you know you listen to their response. You shut up. You listen. If they say no, uh, that's fine. Or if it's a manager said I'm not the owner, well, great. You know, how about I leave a message for the owner? I can shoot you an email. You know, is the family and then just ask them a few questions. You know, are you guys growing right now? Are you expanding? Are you guys uh, heavy in the business with the family? Are you? And then you get a feel if they're in it long term or if they're on their way out. And typically in our lists, we we separate by age. I don't know if a lot of people do that, but we really do take do the background check. And uh, I think it was uh, go. We can re- supply a link for people there. I think it's go find people or people. It's free, so you can find it. You can have your VAs go look for it Excellent. and find their age, and then filter by age because that's going to be. The number one factor, if they're over 55 or 60 years old and you're contacting those those property owners, they're possibly going to be the best sellers in the next three to five years or less. Guys, this is uh, something where you were going to want to go back and re-listen to that a, a few different times. And because and, and what I'm hearing is for number one, Jeremiah, you got to be clear on what it is you're going after, right? Like you talk about talking to brokers you got to be able to explain to them. They don't, they can't read your mind, right? right? They, they need to hear what it is that you're looking for. They're, they could go and do it for you. You got to use brokers, but you have to really know what it is that you're talking about and have clarity as to what that looks like for you. So if you're not there yet, and not a lot of people are, go and get educated, get educated on maybe what that lingo is with brokers. You know, you, you got to kind of understand that. The second thing is Jeremiah, what you, you hit on was, okay, you pick the one, but do you have passion for it? Right. Mm-hmm. Is that something you have passion? Did, like, obviously you were talking about in your book, you had at one point a passion for maybe those, you know, lower income mobile, you know, mobile housing, but, uh, but it wasn't probably even that Jeremiah It was more of, I just have a passion to do what I need to do to get something going. It didn't have to necessarily be that, you know, correct vertical. I just have a passion for success in this largest, you know, in this large alternative commercial field. Right. So, so yeah, is that fair? Like they're a little bit of, you guys have a passion for what you're looking for or you're going to fizzle out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What I would do is I, I like, I'd write in my journals, you know, I write in journal every day and I'm, I'm at coffee and I was thinking about things, you know, 15 years ago. And I scraped, I just sketched out like a, t- a typical deal. So why I like mobile home communities, it was, I mean, it's great. Like people have their own piece of land, like their own lot, their own yard. They have their own individual unit. They have, you know, ideally, you know, in the better communities, a nicer house, vinyl siding, shingle roof. It has, you know, three, four bedrooms. It's a beautiful place to live, you know, where they, they, they it serves a great need. And to me, I mean, if it's all dialed in, I mean, I'm still passionate about manufactured housing. I think mm. it is the solution for affordable housing in this country it's just a very hard business to scale and that's why i transitioned and but i still have communities now uh but to to your point i looked at it and i thought i reverse engineered it i at the very beginning i was like i just need five grand a month to live so i can cover all my basic bills so i went in there and i said okay 
So I got to find an asset. So after I buy it, I got to get the revenue to roughly, you know, ideally the, the best case scenarios in the beginning was 30,000 a month in revenue. And I write, write that down there. Okay. Gross income, 30,000 a month, actual income. And then I would think to myself, okay, the expenses are always going to be about a third, you know? So if we sub meter utilities or we, or with storage, it's about still about a third with management. So 10 grand in expenses, that's off the top. All right. What do I got left? Okay. With creative financing or debt that I get, there's another 10 grand. I mean, that's where, that's the most I can pay on that. It's 10 grand on my debt payments. So that leaves what, 10 grand left over. And that last 10 grand, you know, I got to split that with my partners, 50, 50 right there. So they got to get half of it. I got to get half of it, you know, eventually after they get paid back. Yes. So that, I mean, that formula right there, I just made it so clear that I know what I'm looking for. If I can't get this asset to 30 grand a month, then there's really just not enough meat on the bone to really make it work for everybody. Mm. And I'm not saying every single property has to be that, that size, but it, you have to have it within a radius, to, you know, within that 30 minute region. I want, you know, a handful of properties that get 30, 40, $50,000 a month so that we can pay expenses, pay debt, and then ultimately split that money with our investors. So we all win. Mm. And if you guys are lit and if you guys are listening to that, you know, one of the things is you have to know your number. You have to understand what it, that you need in order to, you know, obviously survive. And at the same time, is it worth it to you? But Jeremiah just is reverse engineering. So if you guys are kind of unsure of, you know, where to start or how the numbers look or how, what am I supposed to get? Well, that's a pretty solid start point. You know, 30,000 in income, you know that the expenses are one third of that. And then, you know, obviously you have management and then if you have partners, so that's a really that's a really basic, easy, simple way of explaining, hey, here's what a net, you know, what a deal should look like in order for you to maybe want to move forward with it. Yeah. And you got to have room for error. So you have a little bit of buffer there where, you know, you, you might not make 10,000 every single month, but you know, it's enough there where you're not working for a thousand bucks a month or 2000 mm -hmm. bucks a month. I mean, because you can't scale. So I, yeah, I mean, we'll provide some type of diagram for that, but I think somebody, you know, when someone getting in the business, if you don't have the end in mind in the sense of what am I building here? What type of asset am I building? You know, I think, we, and we don't, I don't want to go off on this tangent, but if the economy shifts and it is, and rates go super high, cap rates go up, then we have an issue because, you know, you can't be the last guy standing holding the bag where you're not making any money. Your investors aren't getting a return and you can't sell the damn thing. Mm. So, you know what I mean? Like you got to look at it from a cash flow perspective. And if you're doing it this way, then at least you understand you know, no matter what, I got the buffer with cash flow. I got the returns to my investors. So we can ride this sucker out, you know, the next 10 years if it goes that bad. Okay. Well, that's that we remember you got to have the end in mind, but let's get back to what we are here to talk about, which is acquisitions. And let's talk about a little bit what you were saying earlier on that prospecting, right? So what does that look like maybe when you first started and what does it look like now? Is it still about the lists? You know, how, how are we building lists? You know, let's get into that a little bit, Jeremiah. Yeah, it is. I mean, if you talk to the best brokers, I mean, that, that is their proprietary advantage. You know, they're, they're taking, they're doing whatever it takes to see how to find all the property owners that they specialize in, that they work. So for, for you know, storage is a pretty good asset class to find a list and even mobile home parks, uh, mobile home parks, you could, it's a long grind, but you can buy, you used to could buy it from MH Village. You could buy a list of every, every single, single state owned uh, state list of, of mobile home parks uh, with storage. You could go to Sales Genie, you can go to Yardi, you can go to Reonomy. Reonomy has a lot of good lists.com. 
Uh, and it's, it's just the beginning process and we can leave some tools for people to look up people's phone number. I think it was fast people search. Uh, so it's a little tricky at scale, but, but what you want to do is, you know, pick your region, start with a state is what I, I, I like, take that state and then, you know, pick your key counties. I separate everything by counties and then pull all the assets up in that, you know, get filter and organize it by the counties you want to hit first and then look up all the individual owners from there through some of those tools. And that's where you're going to, you know, this is where the, yeah, actually the money's made. It's not the sexy part of the whole business, but this is where the real value is created and what no one really wants to do. Mm, yeah. So that's, that's what we want to talk about is the stuff that no one else wants to do, because I feel like that, that can separate people, right? Yes. Cause there's a lot of people that maybe are hot and cold on this. They start and then they stop. And so for the people like the Jeremiah, when, you know, you were younger, you know, when you were first starting out and you were very green, you know, what would you say? Hey, is it, is it a consistency thing that you just got to remember? Because obviously not every call is going to reach a deal, right? But is it, what, what do you think separates people in this game on an acquisition type of field here? Oh yeah. Yeah. Consistency and persistence for sure. So it's uh, that, I mean, it took me years, you know, I think it was 2009 or eight. I, I had, I made 10 grand on my tax return and I worked like 250 or 300 days that year. I got one <laughs> referral fee. So that was brutal. You know, I yes. mean, that, that, that was a tough year, yes. but, but yeah. So, so that for me, it was building the list and I looked at it like, you know what? It's actually a win. If you can talk to that property owner and you understand their scenario and they somewhat acknowledge that you, you called. Uh, and you kind of have an idea if they're going to be a seller in the next few years because they're older and they're, they're possibly going to retire that you just want to keep filtering and refining that list. Mm. You know, it seems, it seems slow, but that's a, that's a win. So mm. what I would do is, you know, that, that consistent approach, I, I still use, um, Excel to a degree and I still use, uh, this system called monday.com and that we kind of organize the leads in that system. And I can share more on that sometime here, but, uh, but, the, but it's a basic Excel list filter it by the counties, you know, make notes in a column. It's nothing. I don't know. I'm probably not doing it the most efficient way, but you got to make contacts every day. And what you're doing is you're filtering it out. So if they're a corporation, you got to filter that out, you know, put them as a corporate, you don't want to really call them over again. If they're a sophisticated investor, you put that investor. If they're, you know, someone, a retiree or someone older, you want to put that. So, you know, that's your target. Those are your hot leads. And you call them every three to six months. Cause I can't tell people enough you know, no matter if they say no, fuck you, like they say, get away from me. None of that. Keep calling because I've called back, you know, over you know, 15 years. I've they've said, oh, I sold it last month when they told you over and over they were never going to sell. <laughs> so you got to It's all timing, man. And we, that's what I built up this my whole prospecting department in my company that, you know, to, to capitalize on the timing of, of get, finding these before they hit the market. That's so good. It's so good. And it's something that everyone should remember, you know, me included, and that it's, guys, it's a long play. This is a long play. The calling, and I love what you said, the wins are just having a conversation and finding that, hey, this person is, you know, yeah, maybe they'll they'll give some information. Yeah, my kids don't want it. I don't know how long I'm going to own this thing for, but right now we're not interested in selling. That's a win, right? That's something yeah. to make sure you're, you're marking down. So so when they say, yeah, just sure, give me a call in a couple of years. But your thought, Jeremiah, what you're telling people is, give that guy a call back in three months and then yeah. see what's going on, right? Any, I think a really good tip, guys, is if they ever tell you call me in a year or six months, cut it in half right? Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's a, that's a really that's good. Right. So, so I, I love that. It's a long play and you're still using 
basic things that people, everyone has Excel, right? So there's no excuse why people can't do this, Jeremiah, right? That's it. That's it. And then I, I think you take it a step further, and I know it's it's not sexy, but mailing. I mean, you do the mailers. I, I, people, the, this demographic picks up the mail. So this is going to be something. You know, it's worth it. It's worth it. If you're really committed to buying an asset and figuring this out, you know, it, you, you've been doing this type of stuff is really important. So send a letter in the mail. Do that every six months as well. No, no less than once a year. And, and then lastly, you know, shoot, say, Hey, you mind if I shoot you a quick email that way, when you are ready to sell, we get a shot at it. We get to right make an offer. Mm. And, and if you hear that they might be interested, you just throw an offer out there. We could do that later when we put together offers, but yeah, that's that, you know, I, I say it's a, a, always a direct call, do a mailer, do an email. Like that mm. is, you want your whole team or you doing that in a, in, in a specific asset class and region. So you are on um, front of mind. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, before I wanted to touch on this, you, you talked about uh, knowing that region, you know, getting really specific on a, on a location that matters a lot, right? I mean, that's a big, that's a big part of it. Number one, for the clarity of us as investors, right? Just not to go all over the place. So picking uh-huh. a community, you know, when people are looking at a community, why is one community better? Why is one area better? Um, dive into that, you know, cause I think that that can be very tough for people in that first beginning of where am I going to go to invest if I'm in California and I can't compete with California or New York city. So what are your thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah. And to wrap up that last point is, you know, it's okay to call the facilities themselves or the the company. I don't, if they're not in storage and they're in some other asset class, it's a little trickier to find all the owner's names, but, uh, but if it's mobile home parks and storage or apartments, you can call the management company. It's a little tough, but if you have that mom and pop manager there, you know, sometimes you never know when you're going to build rapport with that person. Uh, and there's a strategy to try to, you know, let them know that you're, you'd, you'd love to keep them on if they want to sell and, you know, try to befriend them because they might be the gatekeeper. Mm. So it, it, it's, it's tough, but you do got to, you know, connect with that manager as well and find creative ways to continue to, to, to be front of mind for them because sometimes you just can't reach the owner. Oh, okay. Let's stay there for just a second because, you know, in my experience, we had been bypassing the manager completely. And that's not the right move. Okay. No, 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 it could be. I'm just saying if you're focused on one region and you really want to um, pursue those assets, it, it's, if you can't get a hold of the owner, I would definitely go to the manager. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. And that makes sense because that person may actually be a pseudo decision maker and you won't even really know it. They, they could that's say, it. you know, Hey, or if you've built a good rapport with that person and guys, things happen all the time. You know, the owner dies, there's a divorce, there's all these different things. Well, this freaking crazy Jeremiah guy has been calling me for the last five years. Maybe I should give him a call and give him the shot, right? I mean, that's what we want. We want, we want to be remembered. Um, yeah. What's a way for people actually to be remembered when they're calling? I mean, you said part of it in the beginning, um, when you know your location, is it knowing the community? I mean, is that helpful? Is it just, or is it just knowing the numbers? Is it knowing in the consistent basis of just following up? I mean, is that really the key is just the follow up you think? It it is. I don't think there's anything special you can do. I mean, if you can add value on the call, try to, but what I would, you know, what I like to do is ask pretty immediately if they, if we have somewhat rapport and they want to talk to you for a second, uh, asking, Hey, are you guys staying full? Are you guys right now? Uh, how, how's leasing right now? Or how's occupancy? And typically once they know you're a storage owner, they share that and there's no reason not to. Uh, and, and that's important because if you start hearing every single 
asset is full in the market, then you're like, you're onto something. So that leads into your next question. It's like, oh, wow, you know, occupancy is really good. Or if you, you know, with apartments or even, you know, uh, mobile homes, I mean, there's always a demand for that. But yeah, you, you're going to notice, you know, how, how the demand in those markets. And then for me, you know, learning a lot about just the basics of construction. I don't want to go off too far on the tangent, but with with storage, you know, I, I figured out the best vendors. You know, for mm. me, that was a value add where I said, huh, you know, I know the, the, the best priced buildings right now and I know their lead time. And if you ever have any questions about who to talk to, if you guys are looking to buy more buildings, I can get you I can give you a couple factories that are the best ones that I've dealt with. And and sometimes, you know, they if they're interested in doing more, then that's helpful for them. Other times, a few, you know, a handful of times I've, I've mentioned banks that have been really good. Like they were saying, you know, that you can refinance with, these have been some great banks. So it's just trying to add value when you can. And, but more importantly, it's just consistency. Yeah. Those are absolutely gold nuggets. And I'm taking these as gold nuggets. I'm making guys, I'm, I'm, this is a note taking journey that I'm on as well. And those are huge gold nuggets. And what he's and really what that, in my head, what all it's saying is credibility, credibility, credibility when I'm talking to these people. Like, hey, yeah. I've already done this. Even if you never really have, you know, just knowing the key players, knowing what rents are, knowing the market, knowing occupancy, understanding those things, it just gives that level of professionalism that for someone who over the phone, guys, you got it's a you got to connect in a different way. And these are ways to do that connection. And uh, that's really, really good. Um, you know, let's Let's talk about one of the things in regards to, you know, like the networking. Is that an important part to this? Like letting people know that this is a an asset class you're doing? Like, would you say, hey, you know, sometimes when you do go to these, uh, you know, maybe these giant conferences that there's there's potential sellers there. I mean, is that is that true? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that point of view? Yeah, I mean, I, I think more now I've seen the transition. It's mostly investors and people that want to get in the asset class. And if you're in affordable housing or you're in storage, self-storage or industrial, those are really the sexy asset classes right now that you're going to get a lot of interest. Just that alone, if you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm in the self-storage business or you know, multifamily or uh, I'm in uh, industrial investor, a lot of investors are going to, if they're in the industry or they know real estate, they're going to be attracted to that. And you might, and you, sh you know, I still have a tough time going around and, and, um, pitching to investors or however you want to call it, but it, it's more, you know, uh, I'm, uh, I'm in the self storage business. I, I have the fastest growing company in the Northeast right now. Uh, right now we're building a lot of projects and buying more. So I got a couple of funds and I'm, you know, basically my company's a private equity company. I can get you some information if you're looking at certain real estate investments. Love it. So, you know, something to that degree, but I think if you're a beginner, you know, I think it's saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm in affordable housing or I'm in the self-storage industry or, or in the industrial industry. And, uh, you know, we're, right now we're buying some really good projects. So, yeah, I'm looking for investors or you can just say, hey, uh, are you interested in that asset class? I can share more with you about it because we're finding some pretty good off-market deals. You know, something if you build rapport, you know, it's, it's a little, you know, when you first meet somebody, you don't go right into it. But, sure. you know, I, I think sometimes, you know. They really want to know more about the asset class sometimes. And, and if you could share a little bit about it, yeah, it builds credibility. I love that. No, that's super, super helpful. And I think that's a, it's a really good, it's really good point. Um, you know, 
you guys, we're, we're kind of starting to wrap up here. This is super packed. Like you, you really want to go back and re-listen to this because there's, you know, Jeremiah in, in the beginning gave a script that he uses. So if you guys are wondering about that, that's a really important thing. You kind of got to know what you're going to say before you just start go um, bum and stum. Like you can't um, bum and stum with these people. So you really want to know what you're going to say. And, uh, and remember that even though you might talk to 20 to 30 people in a day, you know, hopefully that's what you're doing. You're, you're being consistent and your numbers are up when you're talking to them. It's the first time that they're hearing this. So bring it, right? So really bring it to them and give the energy. You want to transfer your enthusiasm. That's very important. Um, one thing, Jeremiah, you, you talked about one of the best ways for you guys in, in your acquisitions has been, uh, has been mailers. Um, what's, a, what's a good company that people should be using? Like, and, and, and maybe is there like a consistency they should be doing when they are mailing to uh, a, a facility yeah you know I, I haven't had luck with postcards for me it's been you know uh, it's been real letters and the actually the more simple the better less corporate looking you know basic white paper typical looking typed out letter with your signature i mean if you can do the handwritten you know out outside of it on the address that'd be great if not that's fine uh i mean we use a couple companies in vegas uh las vegas color um, classic design in Las Vegas. I, we can provide links to those, and those are those. Are, it's about a buck a mailer, you know. And, and it, so it can get a little pricey if you're doing thousands. But if you refine the list, and then you you know you, you make it a clear, short message, you know, this is who I am. This is what we're looking for. And if you're looking to sell, we want to get a first crack at it and take you know make an offer. I think you just break it real simple, you know, and then leave your website and your your contact info. It, that's it. It's just consistency. There's no, there's no magic message. Yeah. That's really what this whole conversation really comes back to. In my opinion, Jeremiah is acquisitions is the hardest, but it's the simplest. And it really is a consistency thing. And if people bring the energy and they take the time and they document and they organize and they continually follow up all the stuff that honestly sucks, Right. So you got to learn to love it. And, and I think that's one of the things that you've had that might be your uh, it, it just might be something that is um, is an unfair advantage. That is your edge is just you enjoyed the pain of that cold call. But those little wins, guys, the wins of talking to somebody, having a good conversation, you know, those aren't losses. Those add up to at the end of the day, a deal. And you have to put that time in. You have to do that consistency or you won't get it. And you don't deserve it, truthfully. Um, Jeremiah, anything else you want to end the, end this on with acquisitions? Yeah, I mean, let's, let's do an episode on site selection and just all the good things about where to go, you know, what to do when you're looking for your markets and what type of, you know, what are the asset attributes that you should be looking for. And, and I think that'll be helpful for the listener. And, and if, if, our show, Marty, is targeted to uh, bootstrapping, you know, individual uh, investors that want to get started and buy their first couple commercial properties, right? Absolutely. You know, and so, 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 I mean, we're talking. This is this is it, man. This is the grind around this. So, if you know, it's you don't have to do this. If you want to go out and buy a triple net, you know, CBS for a five cap or whatever, you know, it, that's a whole different level of wealth and that's a whole different level of investing where you're buying core plus assets that are institutional grade and they give you a steady 
return, but you're going to get a low return. And mm. so the way I look at it, Marty, in the beginning, right, is everyone hustling on here that's trying to figure out how to, you know, build their wealth in real estate starting from nothing like you and I did and came from, you know, you got to look at how many times can I flip my money? How many times can I double my money? So, you know, and in the industry is called MOIC, multiple, uh, <laughs> what is it, uh, multiple on invested capital. So you want to know what's that multiple on your invested capital. And when you do that, you know, I'm not as concerned. I mean, I, I'm a cash flow investor, man. Don't worry. Like I'm a cash on cash guy. I want to know how much money's hitting in my bank and I want to make sure I get the distributions. But if you're starting out, what you're really focusing on is what's the multiple on this sucker? Because I got to consistently keep doubling down and flipping these assets, add value, multiply my capital, pump that into another value add, multiply my capital. That's how you get wealthy when you're younger. It's, you know, you can't put, you can't get a four five or 6% return because you don't have the capital yet. So that, mm. that's the game we're all playing. Does that mm. make sense? Absolutely. That, that gets me, uh, it gets me super amped up because it, you know, it's, you know, you talked about this guys. And if you haven't listened to the first episode, Jeremiah really talks about this being a game and he's in love with the game. And the more he talks about it, the more I'm starting to, my lights in my head are starting to go off a little bit more, but yeah, no, that makes, that makes absolute perfect sense. And, and that's really where we all need to be. And, and that's where the money is. I and mean, that's really where the, the life changing you're able to live that why is through that, MOIC and through those different things. So, uh, it absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm sold and I cannot wait, uh, for the next episode. So yeah, that's it, man. So value add investors, right? We're going to keep figuring out how do we get in light? How do we get in light, you know, with less money down that use whatever money we have and make sure we can acquire a real asset. And then after we get in and acquire that asset, leveraged as best as possible, right? We mm. get, and I'm not saying don't be irresponsible, but if you know, and then you got to find out how do I add value? So we're going to get into that where we get into when we do the episode on getting debt and getting equity, you know, we got to figure out how do I get the best debt structure so I can get in as light as possible. And when markets shift and they could be, then that that's when opportunities occur. When I was in 09, 010, 11, uh, then I could find ways to creatively get in for deals for 50, 100, 150,000 down. I mean, this is the the nuts and bolts of it where I could actually scrape together enough people and cash and things. And then at that stage was able to multiply that. I could get a better multiple because I got in lighter, you know, but, but it's a risky game, right? Leverage is a double-edged sword. You can make a ton of money on it or you can lose your ass, mm. right? Because you don't want to be caught with leverage. If you lever up an asset, and that asset goes down in value, you're underwater and you mm. don't have the capital to sustain it. That's how the game is over. You right, you go bankrupt or you get foreclosed on. Mm. So you got to make sure that when you use leverage, it's a very powerful tool, you know, just like a weapon. So you got to make sure you're very responsible with it because once if you lever it that high, you better increase the value or the revenue. That way you have that buffer there. You have that cushion where, you know, that, that leverage now is actually not that risky, but you, but if you're getting in the deal and it's tight where you can barely make those debt payments, you got to get the revenue, you got to get the value up very quickly. So I want to get into that on some of the other episodes so that you use leverage responsibly rather than just getting into a deal with whatever you can. That's going to be amazing because the, that I think is the absolute key is knowing how to use the leverage and, and being absolutely responsible, but at the same time, you know, in a, in a way you want to, you want to use it for your uh, advantage, especially if you kind of know, 
the the asset class and the more you're familiar with it and the better you become with it. And uh, I, I think- uh, And that's the, the magic, Marty. That, that's that's the where magic. the magic is, right? Yeah, I mean, that's where guys, you know, the Sam Zells, I mean, that's where they, as they get bigger, what's funny is the less money they put in things. You mm. hear guys doing $50 million apartment deals and, and they, they're able to leverage them up to 96 or 7% or 92%, whatever, on those HUD projects. So it's just crazy. You know, it's just, it's, it's so weird to think that uh, in, in public companies, how they can lever up certain, uh, certain stock. It's, it's nuts how the, this is the game the wealthy play. And if you can play it at a small scale, you're, you at least have the opportunity to create some serious wealth quickly if you do it right. Guys, we're here. I mean, we're going to be, this is what Jeremiah is going to teach and he's going to get into it. He's going to talk about it. This is a no brainer next couple of episodes where he gets into this. I mean, if you listen to the first episode, we talked about how we were breaking down businesses in regards to acquisitions, debt, equity, operations, you know, even, you know, the management, site management, marketing. These are all things we're going to talk about and I can't effing wait. Jeremiah, this episode has been fire. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> I look forward to the continued journey, my friend. My man, thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning in to the Marty Grisani Show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us an honest rating and review. If you're on Spotify, make sure you follow us for weekly episodes.